Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm, when it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultelaw.com. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world and the country. And you have full access to our full manufacturing shop. You can look in the case. You don't have to start out designing something. You can see anything that we have in the case that customize it for your personal experience. Jewelry Design Center, now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. Point nine ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. We're learning about the turntables today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Do I now? ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Rod James Seabrook riding with me, Coulter Nuanas, here on your Friday. Thanks so much for kicking it here with us. Missed anything in the first hour of the show. Talked all around the wide world of sports. Talked about Catherine Burkoff and her performance at the World Championships. Uh, she got fifth in the 50-meter backstroke, which is one of her specialties, and uh, she's got multiple silver medals in that discipline, but uh, finished outside the medal count. But she also did come back and win uh, a medal in the 100-meter backstroke. So we uh, we talked about Missoula Hellgate graduate who's competing on the world stage in swimming. 
And that we also talked some unbreakable records in baseball. All of it can be found on the Nuanas Now podcast. Probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the uh, MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. Cool DJ EQ. Is that who that is? Did I just send that to you? What I just sent to you? Or oh, what did was I just... click on the wrong one? Oh, what were we just listening to coming back? Oh, well, first of all, you've yeah. never heard Steve Miller cut and splice like right, that. Exactly. Like right? if, you, if you listen to it, it was, and I did, I sent that one on purpose um, because. For the rock and roll fans out there, like Steve Miller just got functified, like yeah. hardcore, and that's actually um, an old uh, Bismarcky loop. That yeah, was yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. I heard a little so, Bismarcky in so there. So that's yep. that's all that really was. Um, but just showing you the amount of tenacity that it takes to keep two records spinning at forty-five yeah, yeah. rotations per minute and to mix it without a machine, right, folks? Like, don't leave that stuff up to AI. Like, pick up your instruments. Pick up your, like, do what you do. Like, we were created to create. So, um, Amen keep, to that. Hey, keep creating things. Uh, it was a great thing. But before we go, I just got to give a shout out to a young man who I know is listening mm. on his way back to Billings with mm-hmm. his mom mm-hmm. uh, that got picked up and, uh, and here in Missoula and is making his way across the state. But so, Rajim was working at uh, a camp up in Sealy this, uh, these last couple days with some amazing young youth and met a young man who. He's probably now being converted to a Grizz fan, hopefully. Sorry, Mom, I know you're probably listening, but uh, he looks better in maroon than blue and gold anyway. Uh, Jay Gillette, man. I just want to say hello to a to a, a very handsome, highly affable, young uh, 11-year-old dude that I met. And uh, him and his family came up to camp this weekend, and it was a, a great experience. And uh, I look forward to seeing you and Coulter and everyone here. We got some hats for you and some swag, and uh, I hope this puts a smile on your face. And... Someone outside of your flesh and blood's thinking about you, buddy. So be well on your journey back home. Safe travels to uh, Jay, as well as any and everybody that's on the road driving and listening to this show. Our bread and butter around here is Big Sky Conference. So let's dive into a Big Sky Spotlight. It's presented by Maldonado Law. Dave Maldonado, one of the most seasoned and successful litigators in the state of Montana. One of the best trial attorneys anywhere. He has... Certainly made his name as a criminal defense attorney, but he's also an ace when it comes to DUIs or personal injury. If you need uh, help with any and all legal needs, visit BigSkyDefender.com. These all are prompts from the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. So keep them coming in, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. You can text us any and everything. And trust me, a lot of you do. <laughs> but here are some of the best uh, that we've gotten over the, the last week or so. We talked a bunch of stuff coming out of the Big Sky kickoff. One of the number one narratives in the league, I think, coming out of the Big Sky kickoff is that last year coming into the year, University of Idaho had a brand new head coach in Jason Eck. They had a, sort of a, a new vibe around them, but they were sort of also had an element of mystery around them. Now, after making the playoffs last year and then returning all of the, I mean, pretty much the most prominent stars offensively in the league, whether you're talking about Hayden Hatton, who's the preseason player of the year as wide receiver, or Giovanni McCoy, who was the, the, mm. na- the national freshman of the year last mm. year at quarterback, or Jermaine Jackson, who's one of the best receivers and kick returners uh, in the country, or Anthony Woods, who was the preseason uh, all-conference selection at running back. Idaho stacked offensively for sure. I think one of the biggest narratives of the year, though, is how does Idaho handle the pressure? They're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. They, uh, they're they going to have a target on their backs as a team that has high expectations. 
Uh, our guy Sam Herder at Hero Sports, he's got him as the number five team in the country coming into the year. So Idaho's not surprising anybody. So here's what the the, uh, the listener says. With a lot of talk about Idaho needing to manage the pressure of expectations, what about them managing the fact that other teams now have more film on them? Does Idaho just rely on their athletic talent, or they do they need to make any substantial changes? It's an excellent question. Phenomenal question. Here's the thing. Here's the reason that I think that some of Idaho's biggest challenges are intangible rather than tangible. Mm. I think that, first of all, I think at the FCS level, in the Big Sky Conference, if you have a player who can physically dominate his one-on-one matchup no matter what sort of schematics you throw at him, Mm -hmm. that's the biggest advantage you can have. I think Hayden Hatton is the biggest game-changer the Big Sky has seen since Cooper Cup. I know that's putting a lot of pressure on the kid, but there's you you can run whatever coverage you want on Hayden Hatton. If he runs the right route or he gets into space and you throw the ball, he's going to go get the ball. He's just physically more gifted and talented than anybody that's going to be guarding him. Agreed. So that's a huge advantage for Idaho. I also think that Jason Eck is a phenomenal offensive coach. He's got a lot of uh, miles on the tires to prove that. He was one of the best offensive coordinators in the country at South Dakota State before taking the Idaho job. So it's a great question. No, I don't think that Idaho just relies on their athletic talent. I also think that Eck does as good a job as anybody in the league and the country in putting his playmakers Scheming. in a position to succeed. I also think, though, the fact that they're about to have a kid in Javadi McCoy who's going to be able, they're going to be able to work with him for four years and barring any sort of injury or anything like that, his aptitude. I mean, he threw for almost 3,000 yards last year as the national player, the last national freshman of the year. With having sort of a dumbed-down offense. Didn't know what he was doing either. You're right. As you continue to build and build and build and build, uh, I think that you always have to make changes schematically and stay ahead of the curve. But I just think that the fact that they have this kid they're going to be able to work with for a long time, the changes are going to naturally come because you're just going to be able to add more stuff to the repertoire. And if you look at his body and his frame... Like he's about to go through his last like big push of puberty. Like by the end of like in two years, this kid's going to be a nightmare to coaching for sure. Because once he understands what is going on and he understands what his body's capable of doing within this system, he's. I loved watching him last year. He was just fun. He's like an ultra poor man's hobo version of Mike Vick. I texted right now uh, the uh, fresh off the press the uh, Boulder Arrowhead All Stars uh, that I was talking about. Uh, I, I guess there's a multiple. There's a Little League uh, All-Star 12U All-Stars Championship game tonight here in Missoula, Mount Jumbo Westside versus Arrowhead and Billings. And the winner of this goes to San Bernardino. So it's at the Westside Fields at 6 p.m. So that's pretty cool. Uh, pretty fun. Um, you have the best listeners, Coulter. I know. Like, I just, I said it last week. I'm saying it again. Listen to these questions. Getting updated on a nice, it. beautiful Friday night where people could be grilling. We'll take brisket. Yes, please. Donate it. Um <laughs> And you got people just pouring in information and the love. Thank you, listeners. Appreciate it. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio. Rajim Seabrook kicking it with me. Uh, Coulter Nuanas here uh, in the ESPN MT studio. Um, it's a great point about Giovanni McCoy. Jason Eck talked about that with, in his interview with Andrew Houghton at the Big Sky Kickoff. said, hey, uh, the kid's ridiculously talented, uh, but we needed him to, to mature a little bit physically, and he's done that. He's he's put on a little weight. He's going to continue to do that because he is sort of just, like you're saying, a, a raw-boned kid. So I think that he has a, a lot of upside physically, and then I also think mentally they're going to work with him. But I also think that Eck just does such a great job of putting uh, Idaho's biggest advantages in advantageous situations, and I think that's why Idaho has a chance, at least, to be pretty good. Uh, another 
question. I've heard you say that the Grizz and the Bobcats have the least percentage of state funding for their programs in the big sky. How can we as Montanans uh, get more state funding for our programs that have been so successful? We have great attendance at both the football programs in the, in the state, and that brings a lot of money into the local economy. Great question. It's an excellent question. And I think it's it's I think it's actually one of the biggest questions that needs to be answered for both Montana and Montana State, because the current status of the Big Sky Conference, the teams that they're competing with most heavily are not operating in the same revenue generation system that they are. UC Davis gets more money in student athletic fees than the University of Montana's entire athletic department budget. S- same thing at Montana State, Sac State, NAU. They're making they have student body populations that are two to three to four times the size. Exactly. So they can pass the cost along to the student. They also then get bigger state subsidies, and that's particularly true in California, but also very true in Arizona. Arizona in particular. Washington also. I mean, Eastern Washington is a great example of that. Eastern Washington gets as much state subsidy as possible. Uh, I mean, you know, they're in the 80% of subsidizations, whereas Montana's at about 35%. Montana State's about 40%. So mm. there's only two teams in the league that are getting less than half of their revenue from the state, and it's the Cats and the Grizz. That's why the Cats and the Grizz can sell the most tickets and have the biggest fan bases and not be running away with the league like people maybe expect them to. I think it's a really big disconnect for people because they see games that are on TV at Northern Arizona or you know Cal Poly or whatever, and there's nobody in the stands. They're like, why is the, why did these teams be? Right. How can they be competitive with the, the optical, stadium that's the sold optical out? The optical causes the confusion. That's right. You know, and I, I and I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and then it's always different when some of my friends and associates and acquaintances travel to these other towns to watch the Grizz, and then they see the campuses, they see the student body, they see the fact that um, you know the amount of people on campus then equates to different types of money allocated to programs so um i love the question whoever the listener or texter was um brilliant on it um but a lot of it has to do with so many things that are never spoken about within the realm of sports and it's sure. it's, it's it's called the business side of it well and there's also there's there's a political part of this yes uh social political the the board of regents is a very powerful entity in the state of montana i think there's certain parts of the Board of Regents sort of governance of the university systems in Montana, there are certain parts of them wanting it to be equitable or trying for it to be equitable that's good. There's also parts that hold it back. It's ebbed and flowed so much over the years just depending on which system is doing better or, you know, there's all these different factors that go into it. Then there's also, though, this huge disconnect as well in that, State-funded higher education and state funding for Division One athletics have, for a very long time, had a hard time meeting, in the, meeting in the middle. Yes, right? agreed. Even when the Grizz were rolling in their absolute heyday, there was a lot of pushback on campus. Why are we funding these sports? Why are, the, are these multi-million dollar... And, even then, there was sort of a misperception of how much subsidy was actually occurring at, at Montana or Montana State. Totally. So I do think that there's sort of a, a, a disconnect. Um, the, the, the text is such a good one, though, because I, I do think that I, I get why there isn't more state funding for Montana and Montana State. But 
Look at look at North Dakota. Yeah. Look at South Dakota and look at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. All three of those states have really upped the level of funding for the athletic programs in those states. Truth. And that has been very beneficial to North Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota, South Dakota State, and the University of Wyoming. I think that they've all benefited from that quite a bit. And I do think that when you're talking about rural communities, there is a huge economic impact. The other part that I think is going to hurt future efforts to get more subsidization from the state is how rapidly uh, the economies in Missoula and Bozeman have grown without any impact from the Division I sports teams. Grizz games are huge revenues in in Missoula. So are Bobcat games in Bozeman. But the local economies are churning at such a high level now because there's such a huge influx of money yep. that it's it's not this end-all, be-all like it used to be. And the money has nothing to do with sports. Like, the influx of money that's coming in, like, if you look at where those dollars are attached and be, where those dollars are being funneled, some of that money used to come in and be part of the university backslash Grizz football. But a lot of people coming here aren't supporting that either. So, like, the revenue and stream of revenues has changed so much since COVID uh, in particular. And... I don't want to say it's impacted or affected programs like Montana, but it's impacted and affected programs like Montana. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next two to three years, especially as we talk about conference realignment. Uh, You know, people, is the Pac-10 going to be around in five years? Is the Mountain West the new big boy on the block? Um, So this will be a very, this will be freakonomics here in about three years across the board, Mr. Nuanez. You are listening to Nuanez now, right, James Seabrook? Chiming in here on your Friday. Yes, sir. On this same note, Jim O'Day, former athletic director at the University of Montana, joined us two weeks ago and uh, a very spirited and very insightful conversation. And this listener says, just listening to the podcast with Jim O'Day talking about conference realignment, my question, which you may have already addressed, you've talked a lot about what it would potentially look like if the Montana schools are prepared and successfully move, quote-unquote, up so they don't get, quote-unquote, left in the dust. But what does getting left in the dust actually look like? Is there a doomsday scenario if conference realignment happens, but Montana and Montana State stay where they are? Another great question. Um, wow. That's a monolithic question. I can here's, hide in that one. Here's where I'm at. Is that we are already in a scenario when you talk about the meaning of football in the communities and the, the passion for it and the and the resources provided to it, I think that we really are already living in a world where in the FCS, there's only 10? I was going to say seven. Teams that could actually seven? win the national championship. Yeah. And, and that's giving a lot of rope and saying the Grizz are one of them. Yeah. In, in true reality, I actually think that there's only three teams that could win the national championship. And when you're actually talking about the realist reality, only I think one. there's one team that could win the national championship, and they get South Dakota State. Absolutely. I, 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 w- I, would, I would be utterly shocked if South Dakota State didn't win the national championship this year. And if they didn't, I would be utterly shocked if it wasn't North Dakota State or Montana State that beat them. If any team besides those three win the national championship, I'm astounded. But... You could say that, okay, just from a pure comp, you know, program prestige perspective, you could say that uh, Delaware is probably still there in the mix. I, I do think Sac State, even though they've completely lacked playoff success, they've been really good the last three years during the regular season. And it's, it's, I, I have to think it's a matter of time before they break through. 
Missouri State has been on the rise ever since yeah. Bobby Petrino landed back there. Northern Iowa has great program prestige. North Barnstormers. Da- I mean, North Dakota, the University of North Dakota, they have resources and they have funding. And it's, it's the same thing with South Dakota. They just also have an in-state rival that's really far ahead of them. Weber State is, is a strong program, but like I think Weber's a great example. Weber has been in the playoffs, I think, six out of the last seven years. They made the Final Four one year. They've won multiple playoff games, yet they've been nowhere close to winning the national championship. The last Big Sky team that was actually truly close to the, winning the national championship besides uh, the Cats these last couple years is the Eastern Washington teams that were led by guys like Cooper Cup and Vernon Adams. Eastern has uh, fallen off a little bit, too. I guess to answer the question, what is the doomsday scenario if conference realignment happens and they just stay where they are? It might actually just be exactly what the Big Sky Conference is. What does that mean, though? We're already to the point now where I think it's Big Sky versus Missouri Valley, and that's it. The rest of the FCS conferences just don't really matter. Fair. What does that mean, though? I mean, I guess will the fan bases and, and the people stay satisfied with just, you know, basically playing the Montana-North Dakota Bowl for all time? I Montana versus Dakota forever. It, honestly, it depends who, like, for everyone that quote-unquote gets left behind, someone is also uplifted, right? So so, so here's the, for every action, there's an equal or opposite. Who comes up? Yeah. Like, you know, or who yeah. comes across or who steps down? Um, you know, what if what if a Boise State was like, we don't want Pac-10, we don't want Mountain West, we'll go back to the big sky. Like, we don't know because of, of where, like we talked about, the freakonomics of where the money is going to be in right, three years right, from now. Right. Um, who realigns? Who disbands? Right. Who says, right. be do away with it, let's start something totally new. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty out there if you think about the next three years and what's coming yeah. uh, 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 across the, 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 the landscape of college football. I do think that three years is how it's going to move at the top level. I do think we're probably seven to ten years away from a full fracturing and realignment. Yeah. So text in from, from a listener right now. This is actually a really good point. The question actually is, who can win right now in this current landscape? Who can win in the next five to ten years? And I think that's actually a great perspective to take. Nice if, job, if listener. You, if you are Montana or Montana State, you need to have the solidification and, and the foundation laid to be ready when the yes, fracturing sir. occurs around you. Yes, sir. Montana and Montana State are not going to get invited into any league, no. but they might end up in a league because they're the best option when the dust settles. So it's a, it's a great perspective. Right now, what the, the, the doomsday scenario doesn't exist. The, the, it's actually the opposite of that. If you are one of the premier programs in the FCS right now, like Montana and Montana State both are, certainly Montana State ahead of Montana, but you have to put Montana in there with the tradition, the support, the resources, all that stuff. You got to go win national championships right now. Bingo. Bottom line, we can end this segment right there. Dot, 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 exclamation point. What did did Al Davis say? Just Just, win, baby. Just win, baby. Let's go. No, I was now ESPN Radio. More texts from you. Uh, this is just a straight-up good one. Who is the most underrated player in the big sky in football this year? Uh, I, I thought about this one uh, a lot. I think that there's actually quite a few options. One of the guys I think is so underrated in the, in the big sky is a guy that people that listen to this show know all about because I talk about him all the time because I think 
the Grizz have done a great disservice to this young man without giving him the ball more. I think Aaron Fonts was the breakout player of fall camp each of the last two years. The whole time I was watching fall camp practice last year, the Grizz defense was pounding the Grizz offense into the dirt, except one guy. Number 16 just kept scoring touchdowns. So Sean Randy and I did a who's the breakout player for the Grizz this year. We both said Aaron Fonts. I mean, the, the kid had, you know, I think I think he had like 24 catches for 300-something yards and two touchdowns last year. The dude's a straight-up, at the very least, Mountain West athlete. So I think that he he just needs more touches. But part of that's just kind of a product of the offense. I think one of the other guys that could be a breakout star who's already been a really good player as a, a specialist, a special teams guy, is Junior Bergen. So, I, think, I think there's two guys on the Grizz that have been a, a, a casualty of Montana being not very good on offense last year. Yeah, Junior Bergen uh, is one of my favorite uh, young players. People, period, on the team, but one of my young favorite athletes to watch. And then, giving it to the the aforementioned, uh, he's a poor man's Jalen Hyatt. Like, Good get one. him the ball in space and line him up and and Swiss Army his took his off. You know, thank you FCC. No fines this week. Um, you got you got to. I agree with everything you and Sean probably attested to. Got to get this guy out there. We have to get this guy out there. He's a, he's a first down every time, if not a touchdown, waiting to happen. And I just I just think that this might be the year that the Ninja Turtle comes out of the shell and he gets some shine. Uh, a couple other uh, guys I think are, uh, are, are really underrated um, in the big sky this year. First, staying in-state at Montana State. I have been high on this kid since the very first time I watched him as a redshirt freshman. He was coming off of a knee injury. But the amount of physical progress he made during his redshirt year and then the amount of physical progress he's made over the last couple years, I know he hasn't had quite the chance to shine in terms of of catching balls and production because he's been playing in this system where Montana State runs the ball a bunch, and he also has split time with Derek Snell, who I also think is very good, but he's not underrated. He's a (laughs) multiple-time all-league guy already. But it's Trayton Pickering, Sunburst Montana's finest. I know I'm putting a lot of pressure on the kid by saying this. I think Trayton Pickering is is an NFL prospect. I think he has. I think he has that frame. We hey, get a sticky note. We're putting it. Down. He, you are the prophet. <laughs> We're putting I mean, it out there, folks. There's just not a lot of guys that have his physical makeup. I mean, you can. There's there's a lot of guys that are six four two fifty, but not a lot of guys that look like that at six four two fifty. I mean, he he has. A perfect body structure. He has low body fat. He runs really, really well. It's like Evander Holyfield in his heyday. And, and he's from southern Canada. So, you know, I mean, he's from right next to the Canadian border. So, you know, he's tough as hell as well. So, he's just one that popped into my mind. A couple other guys from around the big sky that I think uh, are underrated. Lane Larrison at UC Davis is a name you're going to hear a lot this year. He's been sort of toiling behind Alonzo Gilliam at running back. But Lane Larrison was an outstanding high school athlete, a small town in Idaho, and now he's at Davis. And uh, he was great on special teams last year and in a sort of reserve role at running back. Uh, he has a chance to be really a breakout star. Another guy who's ironically underrated in the big sky this year because he he got hurt last year, is Darian Chase. Darian Chase was a, a four-star recruit coming out of high school, went to Nebraska, didn't like it, went back to the West Coast, transferred to Portland State, and then got hurt last year. But he he's a premier-type recruit for Bruce Barnum, so we'll see if they can get him uh, in the action. Uh, and then Marcus Harris at Idaho. I know he landed on the, the Big Sky preseason team, but this kid had the highest uh, in-game, uh, you know, you rate tape, 
like your grade. He yeah. had the highest pro football focus grade of any defensive player in the in the uh, Big Sky Conference last year. I think people know that he's a good corner. He's pretty good, but he was he was in terms of the grading of the film, the best corner in the entire league and the best corner maybe in the FCS last year. Interesting. And I don't know if people are talking about him as sort of a, a tip-of-the-tongue type name, so he's uh, he's certainly uh, another one to watch. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We still have a couple more of these questions to get to. Great questions, we'll folks. Take, we'll take a break, and uh, we'll talk some high school football and more of your inquiries. Keep them coming in. 406-888-1029. Nuwana is now back right after this. Friday. Welcome back. Nuance now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Rajim Seabrook. Riding shotgun with me, Coulter Nuanas. Appreciate you for hanging out. What we got here is 50th anniversary of hip-hop next month, so we're doing hip-hop history uh, all year long. What's going down here? Well, first of all, that's one of the sickest instrumentals of all time. That's Notorious B.I.G. Biggie Smalls is the illest. But the track was laid down by DJ Premier, who is one of the best best producers of all time in the realm of hip-hop. Also, uh, the other half of the rap duo known as Gangstar. So it was, oh, nice. So, Love Gangstar. Yeah, so DJ Premier and uh, the Guru, rest in peace, made up that uh, made up that duo. But then DJ Premier has gone on to um, produce some of the illest tracks of, of, of all time, both in hip-hop and outside of hip-hop. If you, if you look him up, you'd be impressed with his resume, so to say. Appreciate it. Love learning. Let's uh, keep on talking. We're going to get back to some of your questions here in uh, just a little bit, but let's talk about some high school football here. Um, yes, it's uh, it's been interesting. Sort of the uh, the 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 dynasties that have existed in in high school football over the last ten or twelve years. Mm-hmm. Bozeman High had a really hard time breaking through for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Then they broke through in 2010, and they've won four state championships sure. since then. Yep. So so they're sort of like an elongated, like San Antonio Spurs-type dynasty where they, they didn't really ever have like that back-to-back, but they had this they sort were of... They always there. They're always there. Always they've, there. And they've had this elongated run, and they've had multiple iterations. And mm-hmm. Levi Weshi, the current head coach, has been a part of a lot of that uh, because he was on Troy Purcell's totally. staff as well. Totally. So they've had some good continuity there at Bozeman High. Then Billing Senior had their... Little, nice little dynasty there where they played for three straight state championship games uh, and they, they won two state championships. And then that gave way to Missoula Sentinel in the in the final four four years in a row. Uh, Do you mean Billings West or Bill- Billings Senior? Billings Senior, because Billings West also had a run for well, a second, but too. But West, West has been sort of the, the unfortunate runner-up, right? Always. West won one, even though they played for, I think, Five, Five out of the last. But eight. you still got to mention them. Oh, no, for like, sure. Just, I just for don't sure. want to give the Battling Bears. No, you for know, sure. You know, sure. Don't, you know. They, they won that 2018 title, which was right before Sentinel broke through. Yes, and right sir. after Senior. So West got the one title in 2018 when Jesse Owens was tearing Ooh. it up for the Golden Bears. And, Glad uh, he's gone. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then Sentinel had their great run of four uh, semifinals in a row and, and back-to-back state championships. Yes, sir. And uh, then this last year, Helena Capital... Ooh, Unde- undefeated, undefeated, 
But the, but it's going to be interesting deal for Capital because I don't think they're a dynasty. I do think they're going to be very competitive again. But they had such a great senior class last oh, year, senior heavy, and I don't really know how you replace that, right? I mean, you have the Gatorade Player of the Year in Talon Marsh going to Montana State. You got a stud tight end Hayden Opitz oh is coming gosh. to Grizz. You got you know the Michelotti brothers who are both going to go play college football. Yes, sir. You got Tom Carter who's going to the Cats. I mean, they had talent upon talent upon talent, and they were all seniors last year. So yes, I, sir. I, I guess what I'm saying is that. There's been these great little runs of, of double-A dynasties over the last 10 or 12 years. But this year, though, it seems like pretty darn wide open. Yeah, I said about an hour ago, Coulter, parity has crept across the landscape of double-A football. Um, a lot of those teams were were so good because they were senior-heavy, great underclassmen. Um, but the, those st- stables are empty across the state right now. For sure. Um, it would be really interesting to see kind of where Billings to me, it'd be interesting to see what Billings West does. For sure, uh, to be and, and I mean they're gonna have a quarterback transition because Isaiah Clonch was very good quarterback. Uh-huh. He's now going to Carroll. His dad has been the offensive coordinator there for a while, so it's always interesting when you have a, a, a dad coaching a kid because you just have so much learning happening because they can just go Vested. talk about it at dinner. Oh, yeah, and, you you're, know. you're always drawing something up on on the chalkboard. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I've 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 always said. Um, and if the NFL is better when teams like the Packers, the Niners, and Dallas are doing well. For sure. Right? Even though I'm, I'm not, I like the Niners, but football is better in the state of Montana when Great Falls is doing well as well. There's something about, like, where's Great Falls been? Um, do they come out of the corner of their state, uh, you know, and, and, and have some resurgence? Because Great Falls is historically one of the best, you know, programs in the state of, Mo- of Montana, but has fallen off in the last couple of years due to the. Uh, aforementioned by you, the 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 the, the surgeons of the programs that you mentioned, but something about Great Falls, it's it, they've been too quiet too long. It'll be interesting sure. to see what comes out of there. And then you know, on this side of the state, uh, Grady Bennett always has his boys, you know, ready to roll. And you know, Dane Oliver's going to bring the purple and gold uh, everywhere sure. he goes. So um, to me, this is the year where it is anyone's game. There's no, there's no favorite. There's no like even dark horse favorite for me right now. I, I do think Glacier is going to be. Glacier has to repl- replace their stud quarterback, yes. Gage Slider, who's coming to the Grizz. But they have an up-and-coming sophomore who's very good, and they have great skill guys. They have so much speed on the perimeter. So uh, that'll be interesting uh, up there in the flathead. I think that Sentinel could be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Big Sky could be pretty good. I really like Drew Martin, the quarterback at Big Sky. He's not your traditional guy. He's he's more of a sort of a gun-run type guy, wildcat quarterback. Mm-hmm. But he is a big, strong kid. He is really tough. And Big Sky, even though they only won two games last year, they were in games a lot last year. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Bat Johnson, he does the best he can with the limited numbers that they got at Big Sky, but they're always going to bring their lunch pail. Big Sky's always going to be tough. They are the spoiler of the western part For of sure. AA. Like, you... You look. You look at certain teams. Like we're going to win this game. Big Sky's always one of those. Don't overlook it. Because you can't they, overlook them. You can't overlook them because they all of a sudden you overlook them and they punch it right in the face, kick you in the gut, and take a kneecap out, a la Tanya <laughs> Harding, right? And then and then you're sitting there like, what happened? Or for sure, why are we in our second overtime against yeah. these guys? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting what Matt Johnson and the boys do bring. Um, it, it, I mean, it, you got to expect Capital to at least be pretty good. I mean, because Coach oh, Bellis well, just knows what he's doing. He's great pro, well, it's a great Cap, program. Capital and Helena High are both going to be but, highly and, and competitive. I, I think, and don't I think, sleep on those guys either. I, I think if you're doing like a, a preseason poll in the West, I would probably pick Glacier 1 and Helena High 2. 
Helena High, just because they I, have, I might flop that. Maybe, maybe, and because Helena High has great skill talent coming back. Mm-hmm. Carter Kraft is is a, a plus at quarterback for sure. Absolutely. Manu Mello is, I, I think, probably the best skill guy in the western He's part of the state. Ridiculous. Yeah, he and he and Cashko Kachia up a glacier, two of the best guys for sure. So good. Um, so uh, the West is going to be really, really competitive out east. I mean, Rob Stanton runs a great program at Billings West. So always, it's hard to, always hard to not be high always. on them. Um, Butte has had unbelievable numbers the last couple of years, and that, when you have, I mean, they've had back to back years where they had thirty plus seniors. Yeah, that's like a thing from yesteryear, right? Because you know how this goes. Even if you had a great senior class, you only have 10, 12, 14 guys playing because by the time they get to their senior year, they know, hey, if I'm not a stud and a star, I'm kids, out. Kids don't just play to play anymore. No. But they do in Butte. Like they, they'll have, they had 32 seniors on their team last year. Even if only 20 of them are starting, you still got a bunch of guys that are part, but that makes your culture pretty good too. So who knows what Butte's got? I also think, though, that uh, uh, I think the West is full of parity. I think the East, though, I think the two best teams are, are both in Bozeman. You got at Bozeman High, you got multiple Division One type talents. Uh, I I think the Weens kid, the defensive tackle that's committed to the he's Cats. Nice. I mean, he's a three star recruit. He's nice. I mean, he's he's a, he's an animal. He's a, he's he's a nice. great player in the middle. Yes, sir. And at Bozeman Gallatin, you got the number one recruit in the state of Montana, and Quinn Clark. I mean, six five one ninety five on the outside gets you a long ways in the state of Montana because of the mismatches you're going to have against Montana high school corners. Yeah, you just jump ball him every time, a la Randy Moss. Yeah. I mean, at six, he's six five standing. He's dang near seven feet full extension, and if you jump even over a credit card. He's still getting you some inches vertically. Um, yeah, the 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 East the East has a bit more um, finality to it as far as those who you can call away from the rest of the pack. Um, the West is a mess. Like it's it's sure. it's going to be. I feel like the West is going to have closer scoring games yep. than it has in the last five years. For sure. You know, because when you look at Sentinel, Sentinel was blowing people out for two to three years. Um, um, Glacier had some, you know, high-scoring affairs. But I do, I think due to the fact of some graduating classes, some families have moved in and out of Montana, yep. uh, the parity is back, and we're going to have some closer games than we're uh, accustomed to. Last, last thought here on the AA football landscape. This is our prep extra, by the way, presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank has been enriching the lives of Montanans since 1907. Um. Since the AA expanded to 16 teams, mm-hmm. the, the bottom tier has been so non-competitive. And that's what I really want to see is wins are hard to come by when you're only playing an eight or nine game regular season in a, a t- state like Montana where everything's so tough. But you got to have some pride. You, you, can't be lo- you can't be giving up 80. You can't be losing sixty-three to seven. Skyview. Uh, so Skyview, Belgrade, Hellgate. Hellgate was actually more competitive than a lot of the yeah. bottom tier, but they still. I mean, they gave up eighty plus to Glacier. I know some people will say, "Well, that's unsportsmanlike for a team to score eighty on you," but you also just got You got to just have some pride to get off the field. Mm-hmm. If you're mismatched, you can you, you can lose forty-two to fourteen with some heart. Right, like when you're losing sixty-three to seven, it's because not only were you severely overmatched, but you also just didn't demoralize. Play to, you just didn't play to the end, right? Absolutely. Now, I'm not trying to call out high school kids, but I'm just saying, I really just hope for for the the balance of the state as it is that the bottom part of the league. I mean, there's when there's sixteen teams, there's going to be four or five teams that are going to have a hard time winning. Period. More than just a game or two or three. Right. But I want the Flatheads and the Belgrades and the the 
Skyviews and the Hellgates and whoever, and maybe all those teams will be massively improved. Maybe I, those aren't going to be the, the bottom tier. But whoever is in the bottom tier, I just want to see them be more competitive. So I think I, it's better for the just the brand of football in Montana. Well, I, I you know, what came first, the, 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 the chicken or the egg, is that the kids aren't competitive? Is are, Have the coaches given up? Um, because they're... they're a lot of times when I look at teams, teams usually reflect their coaches. And when I look at some of these teams that aren't doing as well, it might just be time for a change. Some of these coaches have been in certain situations sure. a little too long. It might be time to to to, to, to pour the, the, the blue drink out and make some red drink. You know what I mean? Like, give, give infuse it differently. Um, I would also say... Let's throw COVID. Let's throw, some, let's no, throw an sure. X factor in there, right? And there's also been some other stuff that, I mean... You know, Belgrade moving up to double A, that, that's Huge. A, it's, it's uphill it's uphill sled. Belgrade's still the smallest double A high school. they you know, they were a very proud program. They also had Eric Kinneman, the longtime head coach, former Montana State totally. Bobcat. He, totally. he stepped away. Yep. So yeah, new leadership. That's tough. Flathead was they they've had uphill sledding since Glacier was created. Totally. But then they had an outstanding coach in Kyle Sampson who got them all the way to the state championship game. And he did such a good job. He got the head coach job at Montana Tech. So then they sort of went through a rebuild. They had multiple head coaches uh, up there at Flathead. So they just had a little bit of a stability problem. Yeah, stability uh, but, and consistency. But they showed that they could be good. And then Skyview has just been sort of struggling ever since Ron Le- I mean, Ron Le- Lepsock was the first and only coach Skyview ever had. He was there for 40 years. And then he, when he when he left, they just haven't been able to, to get back to being competitive. I think part of it's because they ran the wing tee as well as anybody in Montana. And then when you have that system and you're implementing that in youth football and everybody's running that system, you can be really good. Mm-hmm. And that's why they won multiple state championships under Coach Lebsock. Then when that goes away, it's harder. You don't have that same feeder system. So, you know, there is reasons for sort of the struggle. And, and then Hellgate has just had a numbers problem. But I do numbers, think, numbers problem. I do think now, though, that Hellgate, they, they – they got going a little bit under Mick Morris, but now I think they have a really good coach in Ryan Nelson, and I think that he's going to at least implement sort of the, the just the, the structural foundation that it takes to be at least be respectable. Truth, and you know there are also just parts of town that are growing, which will shift the population uh, 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 to certain schools. So when I look at some of the growth that's happening in East Missoula, yeah. uh, the Clinton area, um, even along the Hip Strip, all those new. For sure. For Hell, sure. Hellgate will be uh, an interesting sure. team to watch, as will Big Sky here sure. in a couple of years. They're, so. they're also, Hellgate's also going to roll with a bunch of sophomores this year. Oh, yeah. And when you do that, you take your lumps, but then when those guys, when they stay together... And they're seniors... All of a sudden, they're really good. They, it becomes capital of last year. I mean, it's exactly... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going back in the day, and I'm telling Uncle Rico stories now, but at Missoula Big Sky, uh, <laughs> when, I, when, I was in, when I was in high school, my freshman year, the varsity was awful. And then my sophomore year, they started playing a whole bunch of us up. My, my freshman year, they played all the guys that were a grade ahead of me on varsity. And they, they got ran through. And then my sophomore year, they did the same thing. They moved all of us up to varsity, too. And it was basically my sophomore class and the junior class ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Well, in the next two years, we made the playoffs. And we won the first playoff games that Missoula teams had won in, what, I think 11 years. Mm-hmm. And we did it two years in a row. And, you know, my, my senior year, we got to the semis. So... It can work uh, if you kind of keep the continuity uh, all the way together. It's our Prep Extras presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank has been enriching the lives of Montanans since 1907. couple more of your outstanding texts to prompt us. Love it. To the end of this Friday show. That's next. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio.
92.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. There's a reason that they call him Superfly. Well, Curtis Mayfield coming back yeah. here on your Friday. Hope you're grooving. We've been grooving all day. It's the Lotus, I tell you. Thanks to Florco for getting us all juiced up. Still on us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Appreciate, as always, Rajim Seabrook riding shotgun with me here on this super fun Friday. Yo. But thanks so much to you for listening along. Missed anything in the show today? We talked about all of it, all the way around the wide world of sports on the international and national levels, all the way down to the local levels, plus some high school sports, some college sports, a whole bunch of texts from you. You can find all of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. Tommy, I don't know how that happened. I must have been dancing so hard that I turned all the mics all the way up. Yeah, you must be a very proficient radio <laughs> operator after doing this for a decade. No problem. Here's the funniest part is the one thing that I know is don't touch my mic. I adjust other people's mics because they don't, you know, scream in the mic all day like I do. But I never touch my mic. But then Tommy says, please lower your mic. <laughs> because I just slid them all the way up. We got to love the real-time texting. Thank you, Tommy. Um, anyways, thanks to our proud podcast sponsors. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. couple more texts from you. Here's a good one, Rajim. I'm just going to leave this one open for you. What emphasis should community tax support what emphasis should community tax supported youth sports play in our schools? Character building and healthy lifestyle versus winning and personal accolades. It's a very interesting question. I, I guess I wish I had a, a way to t- get in touch with this person so I could get a little bit more extrapolation out of it. Yeah, there <clears throat> there needs to be some clarification. Yeah, in the and I, I get the gist we, of we, the question. We, we but want we want I, I, at least I should say I am am all for my tax dollars going toward the improvements of infrastructure and the improvements of yes. educational opportunities in our community. Without a doubt, that is good for us as a, as a town as a community. A, a community. It's also, though, if you are one of those people that are only worried about your bottom line, guess what? If the schools in your communities are better and the opportunities are better and the sports are better, yes, your house is worth more. It's good for your bottom line. Go figure. <laughs> you know? So well, I, I, I honestly, this is a part of a conversation I've been having for years, especially when I think about Missoula in particular. Yeah. I think that we need to put more emphasis on middle school sports. Mm, Um, I love football and I love AAU and I love all this stuff, but kids are thriving out on the court, the diamond in the field, but they're failing in the classroom. Mm. Um, When, when there's no school associated with, with a sport, interesting, um, you're failing your kids, but as parents, you're also failing. And I will, I will liken it to, to, some of the stuff going on here in Missoula. I love Missoula Youth Football. I think it's a great program. I love it. My son will play it. However, when a kid can strap it on on a Thursday, a Saturday, or Sunday, go out there and play one of the greatest games ever created, but there's no academic accountability, Mm. you know what happens when you get to high school? Right. You flounder because for years you have not been held to any standard, and in a really weird way, you're negatively rewarded. Yeah, right. You get to play and be part of something without doing the work. And And the only reason why I know this is because I've had friends of mine, their kids are failing out of middle school, but... They're scoring three touchdowns a game. Sure. So, like, what, what, at what point do we, do we, we put the onus back on the schools and the families within to make these kids not only better athletes, but better students? Cause you're a student first and you're an athlete second. Then, if, you know, once we do that, then the monies that are allocated to certain programs will then pay dividends. 
Right. Right. We don't have enough middle school sports to actually answer it. Great question. We don't have we, we can't answer it. Right. Um just because we don't we, we don't have it outside of basketball and track. When it comes to the juxtaposition of character building and healthy lifestyle versus winning and personal accolades, I am totally bullish on this. I say this on the show all the time. I know a lot of you don't like when I say it. Sports Sports is not about winning. Sports is actually almost exclusively about learning how to lose. To me, the greatest lesson Mm -hmm. you can learn in sports is that the notion that follow your dreams, work as hard as you can, and you can be in the NBA, guess what? It's actually not true for almost every person that exists on the earth. That's the whole point of sports, though, is to learn that you can try as hard as you possibly can and still not make it. But that's the whole reason why there's no such thing as losing. Because if you give your best, when your best is needed and it's still not good enough, you didn't lose. No. There's no losing in that. You got beat, but you didn't lose. Our great friend Sammy Akim, I I told him that because when he went out on his pro day, uh, former Grizz wide receiver, he didn't have a very good pro day. And they didn't make it to the NFL. But he gave it his best. And, and I said, that's the only thing that matters, man. Truth. And then he kept his nose to the grindstone. And now he's a professional player. And now he's a player professional football player at, at a great level. And so, yes, you know, sir. character building a healthy lifestyle and learning how to lose is what sports at all levels should be all about. Agreed. Winning in personal accolades. Be damned. See ya. Great Friday show. Appreciate everybody for hanging out with us. We'll be back at it on Monday. Stay cool. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks to Tommy for producing the show. Love that guy. And thanks to all you guys for following along. We'll be back at it 4 p.m. on Monday. Stay tuned. Coming up tonight on ESPN Radio, though, the Missoula Paddleheads, Glacier Range Riders. Appreciate you. 1029 ESPN Radio. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.